Hi, I'm Kenny. And this is Monica. And you're listening to Questioning Faith. A podcast where we discuss our journey with the Christian faith. In today's episode, Taught to Believe, we discuss indoctrination. What it is. How effective it is. What we think is wrong with it. And... Some alternatives. Yeah. Indoctrination was a really big part of my life. I think that I wouldn't have spent the first 30 years of my life completely dedicated to Jesus and the Bible if it weren't for being taught. To uncritically accept things as true without evidence, without reasons, and that it being a good thing, like Mm -hmm. the very definition of belief, is that you don't have proof. And I was told that upon leaving it and giving all my reasons for leaving the faith, for not believing the faith. And I asked desperately, like, how do you believe? Like, on what things do you base your belief? And the response was, you just have to believe it in faith. Yeah. So that's what we get into in today's episode. And we hope you guys enjoy listening to our discussion on indoctrination. So what is indoctrination? I suppose I think of indoctrination as telling people what to believe and telling them how things are versus teaching them how to figure it out on their own. Mm. Instead of teaching them how to think, it's what to think. Yeah, instead of providing students with the tools that they need to discover the truth themselves, it's telling them, here's what the truth is. I think there's an added aspect of if you don't believe this to be true, you are evil. You're in sin. Right. You are deserving of some kind of punishment. Right. You're an outsider. Like, you're shunned. There's an added... Threat? Yeah, there's a threat to it. And there's an aspect of fear that goes along with it that is kind of a catalyst to making people follow along. Right. What are the means by which you think that people are indoctrinated into Christianity today? Or what means have we used in the past, traditionally, to indoctrinate people into the faith? Oh, man. Well, it always... It just starts with children. Right. It's, it's that's the foundation of like any faith is get them when they're young. Yeah. Uh, that's a big part of the Christian Bible and the Old Testament. The Hebrew Bible is teach them when they're young. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, Deuteronomy 6 talks about meditating on the word of God in the morning and in the evening, having it bound around you and then training up your children in it. Right. So that they'll follow after it. There's also in Proverbs, there's teach a child the way he should go. And as an old man, he'll continue following it. Right. Like, I mean, the, the Bible completely confirms that indoctrination works. Right. And we see that in reality, like in the real world setting, like whatever faith you're brought up in, you're likely to stick to. Right. To fully answer that question. I mean, today we, as far as like what I grew up in, like VBS every summer where we would do Bible drills. You have to know where the books of the Bible are. Right. And you'd get a reward for it. Mm-hmm. You'd to memorize verses. Right. Memorize the Roman road. And, you know, this is the path to salvation. Mm-hmm. Or I think maybe the most prominent thing that we see in American Christian Protestant culture today is the Answers in Genesis Museum oh, in right. Kentucky. Ken Ham building a replica of what he interpreted the ark to look like mm-hmm. and has turned it into a museum to teach children to come in and learn about what quote-unquote real history is, mm-hmm. which is just what the Bible teaches and then taking some scientific data and misrepresenting it right. to then confirm their claims mm-hmm. and then rejecting anything else that would counter their claims. Right. 
Where do you see indoctrination? Well, in addition to parents, which most parents in America are, even if they're not a strict denomination, but most are believers, even if they don't go to church or act out their faith in the ways that we would have thought that faith was acted out, they'll still say there's some sort of deity for the most part. And so they'll pass along, God is real, from the time their kid asks anything. And so from the time they're young... Kids are told, well, this is true. There is a God. Maybe we don't even know much about him if you're a super liberal believer. So aside from just parents pushing that on kids when they're young and telling them that that has to be true, I also see it like just in our government in general. Like it's plastered around the culture. It's everywhere. Everywhere that you look. Like from the Pledge of Allegiance... One Nation Under God, which the Under God was added like in the 50s or 60s to appease the Christian. Right. And then... It's on our money. It's on our money and God we trust. Police. police uniforms cars. and police cars. It's just everywhere you see this notion that God exists. Yeah. It's even... There's quite a bit of it in a lot of schools in the U.S. And I right. think that there's been a lot of progress to try and remove that mm-hmm. to the consternation of many conservative fundamentalist believers of trying to remove prayer from schools or at least prayer led by a teacher or led by a member of staff mm-hmm. right trying to remove that but i mean it still exists all over the place i mean in a school where i mean yeah there's see you at the polls where most certainly there are staff members who are heavily involved in it right and then you have at graduation there's almost always a prayer major community events there's pra- and we're in the bible belt so if you are living somewhere else mm-hmm. you know that might not be true but for us we're in texas and so even though there's not supposed to be faculty led prayer it happens all of the time like when we do a new school building mm-hmm. there'll be a prayer over the grounds like just everything yeah. will incorporate God in some way or another when you're in the Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I mean, indoctrination isn't just isolated to religion, though. I mean, we indoctrinate children all the time. Right. Um, I, I think things like saying the Pledge of Allegiance every day in a school. Is indoctrination in and of itself, like patriotism, like get them while they're young to be nationalists and yeah. like patriots. And so that later when you ask them to die for your country, it's already a piece of who they are. Right. To be strongly connected to their country. Yeah. Drilling it into their identity. You right. are American, or you are Christian, you mm-hmm. are this. Telling them who they are instead of letting them figure out who they want to be and giving them the tools to search it out for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, and then we also see indoctrination in the media. And I've heard it said, if you control the media, you control the culture. And I think that mm. there's definitely an element of truth to that. Like we see just barely surfacing in the media, good atheist characters. They're just now starting to be represented. And same thing with LGBTQ. Like you're starting to see some good, high moral character, high fiber, like gay characters in media, right? mainstream media. And that's a new thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I mean, I can remember most of mainstream television in the nineties when we were kids was Christian. Mm. You know, things, the families were Christian families. Purity kind of culture. Yeah. And, you know, whenever some character would have some very big turning point moment where they're turning away from something bad that they were doing, or maybe they have just a really stressful moment in their life, they turn to God. Mm -hmm. They pray. This was on mainstream television for for kids to watch. Mm -hmm. It was normalized. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's a really good point. You get it from everywhere. You get it from your family unit. You get it from the culture. You get it from the school. And you even get it from your own government. Just a constant, he's there. It's there. It's true. Yeah. Without a counterbalance of the arguments against it. Mm-hmm. Besides just kids, 
there's also there's a level of indoctrination of finding people, which I think this this lines up with the children thing. Uh, finding people when they're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. They just lost someone that they love dearly, right. or an illness, and they need hope. Mm-hmm. That's the time to strike if you're a cult or a religion. Right. Because that's when the brain is most vulnerable. Yeah. Or, you know, when they're uh, in, in some kind of addiction. Right. The most famous one out there right now is Alcoholic Anonymous, mm-hmm. which the 12 steps of Alcoholic Anonymous involve a belief in some kind of God. Right. Uh, and so there's an indoctrination there of... Well, the way to get out of your addiction is to turn to this God. Mm-hmm. Whatever God you're wanting to believe in is turning to this religion. Right. And we even said it when we were Christian, people rely on God when they're sick or when they're sad, when they're in need. Mm-hmm. And then one of the things we used to say was rely on God just as much when you're happy, when things are going well, like that's harder to do. Yeah. And if there is truth to the situation, if there is a God, then it, there would be balance. It would be just as easy to convince convert mm-hmm. someone to truth when times are good is when times are bad. But we know that's not reality. People are more susceptible and more reliant on God when things are bad. Right. Um, because your brain is more susceptible to... Well, there's a comfort in turning to some higher power. Right. And you need that comfort. Right. When you're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So much easier to convert somebody when they're weak in a weakened state. Yeah. Which says something about the quality of the belief. Yeah. The uh, quality of the reality of the belief. I've been reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. And he is talking about how in the early days of uh, the nation of Islam in America, one of their most effective recruiting methods was finding addicts. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, he talks about how it wasn't just, you know, we go and we tell them if you would just turn to Islam, your addictions would be free, but they would take them through these steps that would lead them into their, their religion. Right. Um, they would pull them out of their addiction and the way that they would present it was the next logical step was nation of Islam. Right. And I think that's just a testament to the power of indoctrination when someone's vulnerable. Right. Someone's coming out of something where they were dependent on something. So make them dependent on something else. Redirect. Right. Which in the case of alcoholism, I'd almost, yeah, be Islam instead of an alcoholic. Like, that's right. as preferable, but I don't think it's doesn't either. Doesn't mean it's as, true. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's true. But right. It seems like a step up, though. Yeah, being a member of a productive religion that helps society in some way. Right. Except for the extremists, then, like in any religion, yeah, they help people. (laughs) As a side note, that's one of the things that the religious will use to say that their belief system is correct. Look how much good we do for the world. But every religion and every cult has those success stories of... Right. While we're helping people. It doesn't mean that there's any truth to their story. But irregardless, they do do some good. Could do it without the faith. Yeah. And need something to turn to. I saw a study on Skinner's pigeons that superstition is an animalistic mm-hmm. behavior. Yeah, thinking that there's some pattern that you follow and it produces Success. certain results. Yeah, right. The study they did uh, Skinner on these pigeons was they gave them food. Well, first they made them real hungry. And then they gave them food. Uh-huh. And it turns out whatever the pigeon accidentally did before the first couple of feedings, they would become superstitious about it. So let's say that a bird tripped over a twig and then got fed. They're going to fake trip over and over until they get fed again. Yeah, I think in the study, one of the most prominent ones was they would do this little head bob. Yeah, head bob back and forth two or three times. Or three spins counterclockwise. Yeah. They had accidentally done it or they were exercising and then they got fed. Yeah, and so that's what they would do Mm -hmm. in order to try and get more food. It's kind of like rain dances. Like you have people who do the rain dance 
dances and then it worked one time. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they were dancing and then it rained. So then it turns into a rain dance. And then they dance until it rains. So success, it worked. Yeah. And the interesting thing, though, is whenever the pattern doesn't work, at least for us humans, I don't know about the rest of the study, but right. like what seems to be the case for humans is whenever the pattern doesn't work, then it's indoctrination seems so powerful that it, the problem isn't with the pattern. The problem is with you or the way you did the pattern. Right. You must have messed up. You sinned in some way. So it broke the pattern. Or like I saw it represented very well on the Vikings. Have you seen that show where Lagertha is praying to Odin and for something for her kids and it does not work out. So she says, Odin said, no, he heard my prayer. He rejected it. And then later on, she prays for something else and it does happen. Like Mm -hmm. she's praying for her husband to come home and then he does come home. So Odin was kind and fulfilled my request. And so it's this, well, if it doesn't work out, it was a sin, I did something wrong, or the God said no. If it works out, proof that he's there, that he answered me. Yeah. That's it's a like perfect circle. The classic George Carlin's prayer paradox mm-hmm. that, you know, when you pray for something and it comes true, then God favored you or it was God's will, and, mm-hmm. you know, or if it doesn't come true or it doesn't happen, well, it wasn't God's will for me to have that. And so, you know, his question was, well, what's the point of your prayer? Right. You know, like if your prayer is not going to change the outcome, then what do you, what's the good of the prayer? Which I think when we were, when we were Christians, well, we, we did had, studies we on that answers for that. We, we would say it's not about changing God's will. It's about changing your heart to align it to God's or there, there's just ways to sidestepping it. If you're in different sects of belief to still make it work, you just yeah. have to find the holes and then the hoops to jump through to make it work. Yeah. Kids are extra susceptible. Yeah. So why are children so easily indoctrinated? I heard Richard Dawkins say when he was talking about evolutionary traits that it could be just one of his thoughts on it is that children survived better when they listened to their parents. So if you imagine an area that's got mountains, or I think his example was with snakes, it's going to be beneficial for the child to respect the authority of the parent who says, don't pick up snakes, don't climb over the edge of the mountain, because the child can't experiment. So the children who listen survive. And so your brain is hardwired to listen to your parents and your tribal elders, those who have gone before you to listen, and then you survive better because they have experience. And then the children who don't listen, they die. And so this natural characteristic keeps getting passed along that those who listen and believe and obey their parents survive. And one thing that all life has in common from the grass and the bugs to people is that all of us have ancestors that survived old enough to reproduce. And so all these traits are just getting passed along. This obedience. Well, yeah, in that obedience, there's no way for the child to know which doctrines or which teachings from their parents or from those tribal elders. Yeah, they can't test them yet. So they have to believe Which ones are the ones that if you don't follow it, you die. And then which ones are superstitious hoopla. Yeah. They have to take it all. Yeah. So it's hardwired into the brain for these kids through natural selection. But if the religion is true and it represents for the reality of the situation, then you would think you don't need indoctrination for it to be successful. For example, like the Holy Spirit was supposed to guide into all truth. Yeah. And God is supposed to be evident. All of nature is supposed to proclaim the truth of God. So if those things are true, then you shouldn't have to hardwire a child's brain within the time that they're seven or whatever to believe your religion if 
the Holy Spirit and if God are going to be pulling at that person anyway. Yeah, I think the worst part about it is a lot of these groups who are doing the indoctrinating, they don't view it as indoctrination. Right. Or they think that everything's indoctrination. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's why like it's important to kind of understand like what indoctrination is. We were looking at an article from Focus on the Family where they talk about indoctrination or the, the question of whether or not you should indoctrinate your kids into for them, Christianity. Mm -hmm. And they said that, yes, the data does show that if you indoctrinate your kids or if you teach your kids when they're young to to believe your religion, that the likelihood of them being your religion when they're adults is greatly increased. Right. Like if you have two Protestant parents, then there's an 80% chance that the kid will turn out Protestant. Right, that's the, Pew, that's the Pew research. Right. And, and folks on the family was admitting that that's true, but then they turn around and they say, but it's true the other way as well. And they say, if you don't teach your kids to believe your religion and instead you indoctrinate them, it was kind of the language they used, mm-hmm. instead you indoctrinate them to find things out for themselves. To do what is right in their own eyes. Yeah, verse. Bible verse, things in Judges, yeah, doing what's right in their own eyes. Then they won't follow your religion. Right. And so... They skew the data and mm-hmm. they skew the interpretation of that data to suggest that it's indoctrination no matter what. Right. And I think that's a misrepresentation of what indoctrination means. And I think it's also a misrepresentation of what the data is showing. But it, I think even more so that fear lends into kind of what you were pointing out that if you're afraid that if you don't teach them as children to believe what you believe, then they won't ever believe it. If that's your fear, then I would think the next step, the next logical step is, should I believe it? Right. If as an adult with a fully formed and functioning brain, it's harder to be a member of your faith, a believer of your faith, than a child who will believe in Santa Claus just because you say so with no evidence. Like if it's harder Mm -hmm. for an adult to be a believer, then that shows a flaw in your belief system. If it takes indoctrination to be a believer at least 80% of the time, then it shows that there's a problem fundamentally with faith. Yeah. There was, I guess it's a Catholic saying that, give me a child until he's seven and he will not fall away. Something of that nature. Yeah. That's the same idea as that Proverbs. Yeah. Train a child in the way they should go and they will follow that way as an old man. Mm -hmm. What do you think is wrong with indoctrination? What we said at the beginning, it's teaching people, in most cases children, what to think instead of how to think. It's, It's teaching them to accept something is true and takes it to that step of if you do doubt, then there's punishment. Right. I just don't see how that's moral. To force someone into believing something out of fear instead of helping someone understand something by observing and experimenting, asking questions and learning. Mm -hmm. And I think that it, it lends itself to all kinds of evils in the world. We can look throughout history. We can see totalitarian dictatorships. We can see evil, overbearing governments, religions, Mm -hmm. causing all kinds of harm because the people have been indoctrinated to believe that they are right. Right, and even questioning any of the tenets of it is so evil that you're going to hell. You're executed. You get lumped in with, just look at the 20th century. People over and over and over indoctrinated into some kind of nativism, some kind of isolationism, and believing that their group is the in group, Mm -hmm. and everyone else is out. Right. And those who are out deserve punishment. Right. In some kind. 
Because they don't get it the way I get it. Right. They just don't have the understanding that I have the understanding of. And that makes them destined for right. permanent torture. And there's no provable nature to it. Mm-hmm. There are skewed data points that are used. Right. You know, where they use an anecdote or they don't do an actual study or anything. They just say, look, here's this group who are doing these things. And so everyone of that group must be doing those things. Right. Or yeah. everyone who looks like them or who everyone who talks like them or is from wherever they're from yeah. must be in that same category. Yeah, it traps people into their belief system or their mindset, political or not, and then makes them unable to question it yeah. well, or really difficult to question it well. Scary yeah. to question it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes I mean, it scary to question it. it was, we were terrified when we were questioning it. Yeah. Absolutely terrified. For and, multiple reasons. I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't just the fear of hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a very real part of it. Like, well, okay, if we stop believing this, does that mean... Yeah, we're going to go to hell. Are we going like, to go to hell? Yeah. But then also the fear of, well, I'm out. Yeah. Being ostracized, fear of not being in the in-group, the mm-hmm. fear of not knowing what other people know. It made it to where it was very scary to question things on the fundamental level. Mm-hmm. And if you feel a fear to ask a question, it's probably a good sign you really need to ask that question. Yeah. Exactly. Instead of shying away from it. Well, what's the alternative? Yeah, if you're not going to indoctrinate your kids, how are you going to, If even if you're like, if you're a believer, how are you going to pass along your belief system to your kids without indoctrinating them? Or if you're an atheist, like I'm claiming, how am I going to teach my kids to where I'm not just indoctrinating them into atheism? Right. I really liked what you said to your niece the other day, where she had been playing with some friends. It was a very religious family, and they were talking about church and how they've been missing church because Mm -hmm. of COVID and all of that. And you mentioned that if they start trying to convert her, then that it's okay for her to say, I'm not sure right now. Yeah, I just want to listen to, I'll listen to what's going on. Mm -hmm. I'll hear you out, but I don't want to make a decision until later. Yeah, you don't have to make a decision now. You can make a decision now if you want to, but you don't have to. Don't feel pressure to. You can listen and learn about the gods and what people say about that god, and then you can listen and learn about other gods equally. If you're going to learn about the Christian god and that culture, because we are in the Bible Belt, then I'm going to teach you about Odin and how people used to sincerely believe in him, and Thor, and Zeus, and Marduk. Mm -hmm. All these other ones, too. I'm just going to show you them all, and then you can decide which one makes the most sense, or if none makes sense. Teaching them to hear out all of the evidence. Yeah. Why? What's wrong with that? Yeah. And and not threatening them with hell. Not threatening them with ostracization. Yeah. And not separating them because I'm actively trying to get her to hang out with these people. Like, it's not like I'm trying to separate her from it. I'm just trying to educate and inform, you know, like, yeah, that's such a big part of indoctrination of isolating the kids away from people who are not, who don't think like you. Right. That's the opposite of what we want to do. We want to learn about all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen people talking in like atheist forums about how they don't want any kind of religion ever taught anywhere, mm-hmm. like in public education or anything. Because if it's if it's myth, if it's false, if it's not true, then why would you want your kids to hear about it? Well, if that's going to be the mindset, then you can't teach about Robin Hood or King Arthur or like any of these big stories that are based in legend or 
myth. Like, right. And that's the point. Like, there's a value to learning about them without being taught that yeah. you also have to believe it to be right. true. Right. And that's one of the things that a former pastor did say one time, that how they taught about Santa Claus was they actually let their kid in on the secret that mm-hmm. he's not real. And they just all played along as a family. And I really liked that. Then it actually provokes imagination. Yeah. What's funny is I really liked that at the time because I thought, well, that reduces the likelihood of there being confusion. Between Jesus and Santa between Claus. Between Jesus and Santa <laughs> yeah. Claus or Jesus and the Easter Bunny. Yeah, we would see little um, statues or stuff like at the family Christian of like Santa, Santa kneeling Claus kneeling the... before Jesus's altar. And we used to think that was so offensive. Like, Yeah. Like, how dare you mix sense. them? How dare you mix yeah, now it's Santa Claus bad. who's fake with Jesus who's definitely the same. Actually, now I kind of want that thing. That'd be great. <laughs> Yeah. But it's about giving the child all the information without telling them which one is true. Or without telling them which one they have to believe is true. Yeah, you are going to be in pain if you don't believe this thing that I also believe. Right. Like letting her know that it's okay if she wants to believe something different than what I believe. And not make her feel bad for it. Make her feel like empowered to think mm-hmm. and decide on her own. Another issue, this goes back to the problems with indoctrination. But another thing is to be very clear about definition definitions of what scientific experimentation is, that science is like the process of mm-hmm. learning about the world and not a belief system. Right. That's one thing that I've heard countless times since. That science is a belief system. Yeah. That's so wrong. That it takes just as much belief to follow science as it does to follow religion. And this complete misunderstanding of what science yeah. is, that science is a process of trying to ask questions about what you see in the world, mm-hmm. yeah. of trying to discover things as opposed to believing certain things. Right. That you have to believe that gravity is real or you're evil or you deserve punishment. Right. There's no area of science that's untouchable. You can question any of it all the time. Yeah. And, and it's it good and encouraged. All the time. Yeah. It's yeah. good and encouraged. And then when you question it, you come up with reasons and a list of tangible things to look at to show why it's accurate. Mm -hmm. And even then doesn't mean that it's proof. It means that it's strongly, strongly indicated. It's not even something like even gravity. Everything is within the realm of being questioned. Right. And there's no believe this because I said so, because lots of other people believe it too. Mm -hmm. That's never a reason. It's a terrible reason. (laughs) Yeah. Well, time for questions. Yes. What are some aspects of indoctrination that you have seen in your own life? Do you feel like it's right to indoctrinate your kid in any way? Political, religious, life, any aspect. Is there ever a reason that it is good to indoctrinate your kid? In what ways are you currently participating in indoctrinating other people? Right. Even if it's not your own kid, if it's your friends, your family. Are you a teacher? Right. So, review of our questions. How have you experienced indoctrination in your own life? Is it ever right to indoctrinate? And are you currently participating in indoctrination of other people? Thanks for listening to Questioning Faith. We hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have any thoughts or questions, you can reach us at Kenny and Monica Ask Questions at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Our next episode will be available on April 7th. But until then, remember, always ask questions.